Welcome to March to the Pod, presented by Eternal Roofing. We are your consistent source for Sam Houston Athletics. In this episode, we discuss last week's loss at Liberty. Going to hand out some MVP awards for all three phases of the Cats at the midpoint of the season and preview Wednesday's battle with New Mexico State. I'm your host, Corey Hogue, the non-FBS insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Find me on your favorite social media channels, at Corey Hogue Sports. That's all one word, C-O-R-Y-H-O-G-U-E Sports. I'm joined by the creator and manager of Sports of SHSU on Twitter and Instagram. Again, all one word. He's also the chief operating officer of the CAD Fund and a proud Bearcat alum, Ben Sorrells. Ben you know, we we have the perfect place for roof repair if you want, if you need it. You go to Eternal Roofing, especially with some of the downpours of the last couple of weeks. But I really wish that uh, they could also do some like orthopedic repair, whatever it would take to get some of these running backs back. Man, I I know. I mean, they, if they can't do it on me, maybe they can do it on at least one or two of our running backs. Yeah, we'll we'll get into it a little later, but down to our seventh string running backs. So. Um, yeah, there, there's a lot going on with that situation, but yeah, Taylor and eternal roofing can get into, uh, to orthopedics. I know they couldn't do it with me, but if they can do it for the football team, I think there's some miracle workers. <laughs> they could have had a lot of work this year. They had had an elbow. <laughs> plethora of running back injuries. Running backs, ones. wide receivers. Yeah. <laughs> Knees, feet, ankles, everything. <laughs> well, okay. So they don't do that, but they do commercial and residential roofing. They do perform general contracting services as well, and they do it throughout the Hill Country, the Houston area, and Taylor's told us the state of Texas. And if you need to reach them, give them an email. You can reach Taylor directly, taylor, T-A-Y-L-O-R, at eternalroofingtx.com, or give a call. You can call the Montgomery office, 936-215-8539, or the Hill Country, 830-251-5673. Give Eternal Roofing a call. Ben, we had to start recording the podcast here because we had some good stuff going on leading in about, I I just don't know how you can be upset with this football program right now. I I know 0-5 was not the start you wanted, but the way they've played these last two weeks – has really got to provide a a vision into what this team can do once they get the depth needed to compete at this level. Right. Yeah. I mean, I've been super pleased with, especially with this last week, I think if people are frustrated with Jacksonville state and the way that game ended, that's understandable. But I think the most realistic expectation we all had five games of the season was one and four. Um, We're one game off of it. And I think we've shown we can compete. So it's just a matter of putting it together in all three phases. Um, And I think we're getting close. We're getting really close. The schedule really opens up starting this week, thankfully. Um, So yeah, I think we're on the verge of a breakthrough of maybe even a winning streak with these games coming up. But yeah, I mean, you have to be pleased with the progress and the team hasn't quit. I mean, that's another thing that you can hang your hat on. These guys haven't quit. Healer said in this press conference yesterday also that uh, the morale is still great in the locker room. These guys are still fighting. So, yeah, definitely proud of this team. I think one and four was the most realistic and optimistic thought coming into this game. And so, oh, and five, we're not too far off it. Um, yeah, a lot of winnable games ahead. 
also says a lot about Keeler that he's held this team together and kept them from just imploding it after 0-5. And you could tell. You could tell, man, that fight they put up against Liberty, that people uh, – I was at a high school game, but I was watching the social media kind of interaction. And let me tell you, as soon as Liberty got that first touchdown, it was like everybody's like, boom, the cats are bad. Here it goes. This is going to be ugly. Oh, it wasn't ugly. Next thing you know, this team is putting up a chance to win. Now, we're going to review that in a minute, and I, I, but I do want to give – to anyone who might be listening, if you coach football, if you're an offensive coach, I don't care. Tell everyone, please do me a favor. Do not throw a fade route in the end zone. Do yeah, not we- throw fade routes at the goal line. You run slants. You can run digs. You can run crossing, get mesh, whatever you want to do. You can do option routes. I don't care. Don't throw a fade in the end zone, Ben. Yeah, well, and I was going to say, uh, Keeler's press conference didn't get published yesterday. I think there were some technical difficulties with the recording, but I asked Keeler about what they were looking for on that final play. Was the read to go to the fade, or, or what, were there multiple reads on the play? And he said that the play wasn't just designed to go to the fade. There were other routes. And if you look, if you go back and look at the play again, if Keegan sits in there for another half second, He's got Elijah Stone, the tight end, breaking across the middle right at the goal line, and he's pretty wide open. Um, so I don't, I, I know people want to get mad that that was the play call, and that was definitely one of the reads, but that's where Keegan decided to go with the ball. So, um, okay, it was I, a little I, bit of everything. I will clarify then. I would prefer you not to put a fade route at the goal line, even right. an option, right? It was a little bit of everything. Don't let that be an option. At the same time, it's pretty obvious when you do watch that play that that was the read Keegan took. That was the one he chose. These guys, see, sometimes you've got to take these athletes and you've got to realize they they believe they're invincible. They believe they could do anything. And Keegan believes in himself, and he should. You want him to. He believes he's going to dump that on a dime. His receiver's going to get it. It's going to be perfect. Yeah, sure. That oh, that doesn't happen every time. It doesn't happen in the NFL every time. It sure doesn't happen in college. So don't give them that option is kind of what I'm saying about that. And, and I totally agree. And I want to hit on that whole final four, uh, final four plays down there inside the five yard line. So you get because a lot of people were up in arms and just really mad um, well, about those final it. four. Yeah, let's keep it going, man. But yeah, before so- we. But before we get in there, I'm going to remind everybody, we are a podcast on the Republic of Football Network and an extension of Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Please like and subscribe to the podcast and follow us on the various social media platforms, including Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and threads at March to the Pod. It's all one word, March, the number two, the pod. And a special hello to those watching on the Dave Campbell's YouTube page. Thank you so much. So we're just going to jump right back in. We've we've been reviewing this Liberty game. Ben, I cut you off there to get that in. Let, let's just go ahead and open it up, man. What what about those last four plays? Yeah, yeah, no problem there. I know we got to get that in, so I'm glad you did. Yeah, so you get the first down on, and there's 23 seconds remaining. Um, and in college, the, the clock stops. And, and so I personally – didn't really like us spiking the ball. The clock stops. You've got 23 seconds. Every play, those last four downs is going to the end zone. That's the play to throw a fade route. Just throw a fade in the back of the end zone. If it's caught, it's caught. If not, there's 12 to 15 seconds left. Um, 
So I, I kind of wish we would have at least tried to run a play, even if it wasn't a really competitive play. Throw one to the back of the end zone and just put one up for grabs at least. Um, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, that that does because why are you burning a timeout or a down uh, in a position where the clock does stop? You got to use that to your advantage now in the last two minutes in college. And yeah. so, yeah, and, you know, another thing too, I, I'm just spitballing here, but we don't see it enough. In my opinion, you get down around the five yard line why, and they believe you're going to spike it, right? Why not fake the spike and have, have just a, a, a play run. You can call it, you know, call it whatever you want to right? Copperfield. Hey, we're running Copperfield, right? It's a little magic play. We're going to fake the spike and we're going to, we got routes that we've already determined. It, look, teams do that all the time. I don't know how much, right. you, you know, it, it, how close you're able to get around them. Sometimes you and I have been around practice with these teams. You'll hear them. Man, if yeah. they want to go fast, they'll start using terms like NASCAR. They'll call out something. That's the play to run, right? Uh, another one you hear, I heard in the NFL this weekend, um, a word that meant, you know, redo, right? Like just run that same play again. You know, that that's, they have those. You need one for that situation that is a fake spike and either a fade route or, or a drag or something. Yeah, and even if you do run a play there, you had time for four downs because the last play ended with seven seconds left. Um, and so you had a seven-second gap there. A play there at the goal line is not going to take seven seconds. So that was my my thought on first down, at least. Yeah. Second down, I, I, I love the play call. I mean, Alvante Woodard was winning his routes one-on-one -on -one in the red zone a lot, and Keegan hit him in the, in the chest. Um, it was kind of contested, but he hit him in the chest, hit him in the hands, and he just couldn't come up with it. So, I mean, can't really complain on that second down play call. I mean, hit him right in the chest in the end zone. He just couldn't come up with it. Hey, um, look, man, if you could throw the ball, if you've got the route, the guy gets the ball, it hits his hands, you expect it to be caught. You know, you expect it to be caught 100% of the time. Life doesn't yeah. work that way, but that is the expectation. I'm with you, man. I don't think you can blame that call. Right. Yeah. So I, I didn't mind it at all. Third down, um, Noah Smith is wide open in the flat um and Keegan just can't hit him um if it's a better throw I mean it's almost a walk-in for Noah he might have to kind of maybe beat one guy to the to the to the line but um I like the play call there Noah Smith was by far your best player all night so I had no problem with it um and then fourth down we we talked about it a little bit earlier um don't put the fade in as an option um look at your reads um don't don't be keyed in to Rockwell the whole time so I, I didn't really mind the play calling up until the fourth down play really yeah, don't don't put in a fake call, especially after your quarterback just misfired on an open receiver. Yeah. Because that's in his mind, right? Like when Keegan went back and watched that, that's the one that's gonna bother him. Not not the fade route, not that throw there is the one that's gonna bug him. And he just made that. I know next play mentality, but we are humans. Yeah. You have to take some of that into consideration sometimes. Yeah. And I mean, I think Keegan played a great game outside of one bad interception in the first half, but um, I mean, he led his team 96 yards and we needed 98 or 99. Uh, it, I mean, it was gutsy. Uh, I mean, a lot of people have really dogged on Keegan this entire year, but um, leading your team that far down the field is not something a lot of FBS quarterbacks can do in that environment. That place was loud and raucous going crazy. So didn't get it in, but I think we saw a lot of growth in Keegan, despite not being able to finish off the drive. 27 of 42, one interception, two touchdowns. Uh, for Keegan, 255 yards, 
The offense put up 327, and Ben, the defense gave up 191 rushing yards. They allowed 4.4 yards per carry for a solid run defense. Liberty only threw the ball 19 times, and, and those went for big yards too. Um, the defense made some plays and got off the field when they had to at times, but there's some improvement to be uh, to be had on that side of the ball as well. I think a lot of that was the first two drives that Liberty had, all, or the, their first drive in the first quarter and then the one drive that they had that went for a long touchdown pass where the DB fell down. If you take those two drives out, that's 150 yards right there. I mean, outside of those two drives, I mean, minus 150 yards, what is that yard total right for that? Yeah, I mean, that puts them at about 300, so it puts it about yeah. even. But I also would like to point out, 7 of 14 on third down conversions. That's a pretty good percentage against the solid defense, too. Yeah, and like I said, I think we really struggled early on. Didn't give up a point the entire second half, but they uh, they really found a groove. I think they found something. Keeler Sell also said in his press conference yesterday that uh, Liberty was really utilizing what Houston did against them, a lot of the same schemes and formations, and it finally clicked for Joe Morris, and he was able to make an adjustment in the second quarter, um, and things really turned around. So if they can continue that in this New Mexico State game, it's going to be big because they run a very similar offense, and their quarterback has stats that almost I are, are going to mirror Caden Salter at Liberty. So they're almost the exact same kind of players. So, so just got to keep it going. So what you're saying is if people had listened to our podcast last week, they would have seen Liberty's game plan. They would have known what was coming. A lot of RPO. Yeah, I mean – we talked yeah. about it. I remember yep. us talking. They yep. were going to try the same thing that Houston was doing to get their athletes out there, and they did. Yep, they did. Yeah, a lot of RPO, which is going to put a lot of stress on the DBs, which we know is kind of the, the weaker point of the team. And then a lot of underneath throws, especially early to where you can get um, tight ends and uh, other wide receivers and linemen out there blocking. So definitely kind of went into what U of H did, but I think we really adjusted well. And that's what makes the defense. That's what makes the defense great. I think um, it, it can adjust, adjust on the fly. And they did look really good in that second half. So I think you've got a lot of momentum going into this week. There are not broken down uh, stats for the second half on the website, on their PDF, unfortunately, or I would, I would give those, I will say in the second half, Sam Houston won six to nothing on the scoreboard. Um, the problem was the 21 to 10 at the halftime, but I, I mean, 21 in the first half, honestly, I, that wasn't a big surprise to me either. We, cause we know how potent Liberty is 10 points in the first half for the offense. I think at halftime you had to feel good. And I think in the second half you had to feel really good coming out of that game. Yeah, second half feel really good. But even in that first half, I thought there were two really big uh, wasted opportunities or blown plays. The first one being uh, David Fisher just falls down on a go route and it's just a wide open 50-yard touchdown pass. I mean, he he was step for step with the guy and just falls down and it's a touchdown for Liberty. And then the very next drive going into the half, we've got the ball at the Liberty 35 and Keegan just kind of chucks it to the end zone and there's nobody there and they pick it off. And so you, you give up three points there on the offensive side, possibly. Um, we've seen Sessoms make a 46, 47-yarder, so it was around his range, and then you give up the seven points on the blown coverage. And so um, even though it was an 11-point game, I mean, it could have honestly been tied pretty much. Yeah, and and so, you know, I mean, yeah, you got to feel good about it. You also have to wonder, 
It's two weeks in a row, man. That that's two weeks in a row. Two conference USA games. We've been preaching. Wait till we get to conference. We got the conference. Now that Jacksonville State loss does not look bad. It doesn't look bad, but it feels bad. And you're right to have it feel bad because Sam Houston should have and could have won that game. This Liberty loss won't look bad. And it feels bad because, again, you have feelings where Sam Houston could have and you could even say should have won that game. But let's just break it down for people, Ben. Liberty and Jacksonville State are two of the best teams in this conference. In Conference USA, Sam Houston's schedule has been brutal, absolutely brutal for a Conference USA team. It is not brutal from here on, though. Right. Yeah, the first five teams have a record of 21 and 5, and I think the next five have a record of 11 and 18. Um, so it definitely gets e- easier, that's for sure. And like I said, the Jacksonville State game looks a little better now, but it still hurts. Um, really wish you would have had that one back. And another interesting thing Keeler said in this press conference was against Jacksonville State, it was the defense that kind of gave it up um, there at the end on that final drive. This Liberty game, it was the offense. And so I think both groups are going to come into New Mexico State looking for something to prove. We saw the defense really find it uh, against Liberty. So maybe the offense is going to come out aggressive and ready to attack. So both of these groups, I think, have have something to prove because both of them have kind of, I don't know if at fault is the right word, but they've been the source of kind of the, the failures at the end of the last two games. Well, then we can coach speak it right now. We got to play four quarters. We got to put together a complete game. And uh, I know it's coach speak, but that is true a lot of times. And we're going to get into that. And we're going to, but before we do, Ben, we're going to move over and talk about uh, who takes home the March to the Pod midseason awards. Uh, But before we even do that, man, we got a couple other things to talk about. And that is what is important to these athletes, what's important to this program, and what is important. To And what should be important to us, the fans, and it's the cat fund. That's the one place in this world of NIL. If you want to know where you can go in there, it's look, we're not Texas tech, right? We don't have 250 grand to give to somebody. We're not Ohio state or, or Alabama. You're not getting seven figures to come to Huntsville, but you can help these athletes have a little bit of spending money, have a little bit extra and Ben, tell us how they can do all that. Yeah, cat-fund.com. or dash fund.com. Um, You can sign up there, become a member, uh, as little as $10 a month, up to $1,000 a month. Receive some perks, and we've got some, uh, I know we showed those footballs last week. Those will be going out here in the next couple of days to some members. We're going to get some more signed uh, here soon also. We've also got our golf tournament coming up um, next week, at the end of next week, about a week and a half from now. So a lot of exciting stuff coming up. Um, great way to support these athletes, reward them for what they're doing. Um at Sam Houston. So, and, and, and I was going to add one more thing too, Corey, before we get too deep into the podcast, I, I want to give a shout out to our women's soccer team, mm, man, yes. they, they have been rolling in second place in conference USA right now in year two under Sonia Curbelo. Um, they're three and two came out with a big win at middle Tennessee state. Um, so I know we're talking a lot of football. We'll get into the awards here in a minute, but I just wanted to give them a shout out real quick. In Europe, we're still talking football. <laughs> I see what you did there. Ah, yes, a little <laughs> sneaky football reference for everyone. Yeah, a little Ted Lasso. 
I have not seen the movie. I have no idea. Oh, it's a TV show. Come on, Corey. I have no idea. <laughs> Guys, let, let me explain something to you a bit. When I say my life re- revolves around sports, it's not a lie. Football, I, I basketball, you. baseball, and I don't even really cover baseball, but that it's my favorite sport. So yep. football, basketball, baseball, that's what my life revolves around all the time. And let me tell you something. Pretty good to live that way too, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm not sitting here worrying about drama or any of this jazz. No, 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 no. If I get my feelings hurt, it's because my, my sports team didn't do so well, and I can get over that pretty quick. Yeah, and it's the best time of the year. You got playoff baseball going on. You got the NFL and college football in full swing. You got the NBA and college basketball starting up here in the next month. Even hockey's starting tonight. So, I mean, there's a lot going on in the sports world. I have not been secretly watching the Astros game while we're recording the podcast. Neither, right neither now. have I, right? Yeah, I'm secretly, <laughs> secretly hoping they lose because I am a Texas oh, Rangers brother. fan. But uh, you know what, though? Let me say this. We'll shoot, we're going to talk some MLB real quick. <laughs> I would love to see the Silver Boot series in the in the oh, ALCS. Yeah. That would be fun. Now, look, fans, stop stop being ridiculous to each other. Let's enjoy this. Let's have a fun rivalry. We don't have we don't like you too much. You don't like us too much. That's fine. Don't make it personal. Let's have fun. This Silver Boot could be the greatest thing to ever happen to this state. And it almost happened in 15, but uh I think both teams ruined it and neither one got there. So maybe this is the year that we uh that we make it happen. I think it would be the yeah, it would be the first time both play in the playoffs and uh it'd be a really special series, that's for sure. Oh, it would be. And I called it, I said before, I said I think it's gonna be Rangers and it's gonna be Astros. I gave the Rangers the edge over the Orioles because they now had playoff experience. Uh, and then the Astros have that experience and and they know how to deal with a layoff in these series like that. They didn't miss a beat. So, yeah, look, it would be great. But more important than that, Ben. Get back to some football. <laughs> is Well, more even more important than the football yes. right now is our sponsor, our presenting sponsor. We are proud to be uh, with Eternal Roofing. You know, we haven't mentioned in the last couple of weeks, but Taylor is a, an alum of Sam Houston. And I think to him, that is important. And to us, that's important because we want this podcast to connect with the listeners uh, and to have a a sponsor that sees it the same way, Ben, that's just invaluable. It is. Yeah. And supporting Bearcat alums, Bearcat alums supporting us. It's a really cool connection. And uh, yeah, I think there's even a Bearcat uh, small business owner community Facebook page. So we love, uh, we love to see Bearcat businesses and support them and have them support us. And it's a really cool connection. That's for sure. It, It really is. And you know, as we're getting into the holiday season, it is uh, right now we are recording this on Tuesday, October the 10th. We are two months away from really expecting Christmas here, two and a half months away from actually being there. And in that means that uh, some lights are going to start going up. And let me tell you guys, if you need Christmas lights, there's only one name that we know to call. Yep, that's Eternal Roofing and Taylor. That's for sure. Yeah, they'll get they'll get all your Christmas lights needs, hang them up for you, get it done so you don't have to. They do, and they'll do a great job, and they will take them down for you too. I'm sure. Uh, yep. Which <laughs> I will put them up. <laughs> <laughs> you get them down. We'll just put them up. <laughs> we put them up. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, we'll I give you an instruction manual. <laughs> 
contact Taylor. He, I bet they will take him down. Taylor, I, I already know. Taylor at eternalroofingtx.com by email. Reach him at the Montgomery office, area code 936-215-8539. Or if you're in the Hill Country, area code 830-251-5673. Well, Ben, we're halfway through this season. And um, Crazy. We're taking applications for running backs uh, right now. I think that's that's out there because of the injuries. But more important than the injuries is who has played the best. And we're going to give out an MVP award for each phase of the game. So we've got one offense, one defense, and one special teams. Ben, you want to start on offense? Yeah, let's start on offense. And uh, yeah, it's it's crazy. We're at the halfway point. This New Mexico State game is game six of 12. And so it's crazy we're here already. But I'm going to go with Noah Smith. Um, first couple games were a little rough. Uh, I think we were really struggling to kind of, kind of get him involved and see what he could do. But man, he's really, really picked it up these last couple games. The past two games, 23 receptions and almost 200 yards and a touchdown. Um, and so I think he... Uh, He's probably my MVP right now. The reason that we've seen more success on offense is because he's gotten the ball more. And when he touches the ball, he does a lot of really good stuff. So um, big part of this offense, and I'm probably going to give it to Noah Smith so far. Well, uh, I'm looking at his career stats, and he's already surpassed uh, his career numbers in receptions. He's he's close to surpassing his career numbers in yards, and that's a good start. Uh, we need to maybe look for him a little more in the red zone, I would say. Yep. He's he's so sure-handed, Ben, that I would give him a chance in the red zone a little more often. Yeah, exactly. And he's a guy that can really do it all. He can throw it. I mean, he can run it. He can catch it. So a dynamic guy that you definitely want touching the ball in the red zone. And one more point on him is his 13 receptions at Liberty were tied for the school record for a single game. So um, just put in some incredible work the last couple of weeks. And uh, I think he's a, he's – one of the biggest reasons why we've seen a turnaround these last couple of weeks is because he's touched on the ball more. Well, also I have a feeling in the first few games, when you're playing those, those power five level type defenses, they game plan for him. They know who Noah Smith is and they were able to shut him down. Now that you're facing your conference, it's, you know, these guys aren't, it's not as easy to shut down your best athletes. And uh, Noah is definitely taking advantage of that. He's averaging, um, Let's see, 8.4 catches per game. That That's a pretty good number. He, he's getting quite a few targets per game, too. Yeah, 8.4 catches. He's got 253 yards, which comes out to just a smidge over 50 a game. He's got a touchdown. Um, but, yeah, he, he's going to play a big role. And with how many running backs are out, he's a guy that used to play running back. I wouldn't be surprised if we see him get back there for a couple snaps, maybe not the entire game, but um, really dynamic. And he's probably going to be the most important piece of this offense moving forward with the injuries. He probably will be, and I. you might see him. He might just cement his MVP status heading in here in the second half if he starts going back uh, to running back again. Okay, let's move on over to the defensive side of the ball. There's a few good candidates over there. Yeah, the first one that I think you have to mention, and I think he's the pretty clear-cut choice despite there being a lot of good guys, is Trevor Williams. Um, Trevor, 58 tackles so far through – five games, had double-digit tackles in every single game, which is just incredible. Um, and just some other things on him. He's on pace to set the single-season school record for tackles in a season. 
um, in the Division One era. So that's a really big one. Um, so he has that, and then he's 65 tackles away from breaking the all-time Division One tackles record at the school. So, I mean, he's just on a historic pace right now. I mean, 13 tackles, 14 tackles, 11, 10, 10. Um, he has a forced fumble. He has a couple quarterback hits. And, I mean, he's the captain of the defense. And I think he's the first name you have to look at. There's some other names I would consider, but he's definitely the first one. He's also setting program records for FBS tackles. He is. Somebody's got to do it. Hey, somebody's <laughs> on his game over here today. Yep, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I came ready. Yeah, and you came ready too with the FBS. That's for sure. I came ready with the dad jokes is what I get. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he is on pace. I mean, he's on pace for anywhere between 140 and 150 tackles, which is which is just awesome. And, I mean, he's the captain of the defense, the leader does it all um do you have any other names you want to throw out i was going to throw out one more oh i got a name okay i know I okay i think i know where you're going this is where i was going to go too i don't even care i don't even care if he makes a tackle the dude wears number zero his name is meatball he is always going to be my most valuable player as long as he's there and he's made a huge impact um like a, a really big impact I think he's had a couple forced fumbles I mean and he really shores up the interior of that offense or the, of the defensive line um I, I know Keeler talked about he wants to get more pressure on the edge but I think they've been getting a lot of pressure up the middle when it's kind of uh supplemented not getting enough pressure on the edge and big reason for that is meatball I mean the Jacksonville State game he almost won single-handedly I mean he forced the Jacksonville State fumble and got us the ball at the 10-yard line and so um yeah I would definitely say he's probably number two on my list he, he is forcing a lot of double teams. He is. He is taking up two players on every snap, which what that does is allows those linebackers, Trevor Williams, to get free and go up there and make so many tackles. Believe it or not, those that, that's almost a tandem working together there. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, Meatball's taking up so much space. It's allowing, allowing other guys to get in there. And I'm trying to find his stats here. I'll, oh, there we go. He's got... He's got, uh, what is it, eight tackles total, but he's got two tackles for loss, a sack. But I think he just takes up so much space that it goes beyond the numbers with that it's, kind of thing. It's not the tackles. I'm, I'm telling you, uh, watch for him to be an NFL player. Uh, he's an NFL-level defensive tackle, especially for a team that runs a 3-4. You yep. run a 3-4, you want someone like that. He Notoriously, that's what the Steelers has. Somebody in there – like meatball who just takes up two blocks because you have to he he just he just forces you to and he he wears the number zero man That's and his name is meatball i mean even if he wasn't playing well we might just have to say his name just to just to get it in there as much as we can I do. yeah definitely okay so we didn't get it too much into this in the first leg i want to hit on it here before we move on uh and that is some of the injury updates because we are accepting applications at running back we are. We and are probably yeah. wide receiver. Yeah, uh, probably both at this point. Yeah, running back, you're down to your seventh running back, which is Tobias Weaver. Um, I don't know if I've ever seen a team go that deep, um, I, whatever position it is. I just want to say I am not available. <laughs> I have NCAA eligibility, but I am not <laughs> available to run the ball. Right. Yeah, I don't think I am either, but I might have to be at this point. But yeah, Tobias Weaver, it looks like he's going to be the guy that gets the majority of the carries. He actually played pretty much the entire fourth quarter against Liberty. Um, and he's a guy that made the switch from DB 
over two running back this offseason. And thankfully he did because, man, I don't know what we would do without him. I think Jordan Yates is probably the other guy that, that might get some time as well. Um, so looking at those two to get a lot of the reps. But Tobias is a guy that, I mean, the team has spoken really high about. In the spring and the limited reps he got, I, I remember he broke off a 40, 50-yard run. So that was good. Um, he was actually the scout team quarterback when they played Air Force and were previewing Air Force in practice. So he, he's got some experience touching the ball. Um, hopefully they can get him a lot of reps this week, get him up to speed, and he can just be just do enough to just kind of fill in there at running back till some guys get back. I'm a believer that anyone can be a running back. I realize that's not true because you also have to pass block. But when it comes to just being an actual running back and running the ball, I believe you can. But at this point, <laughs> We're about to test that theory with Sam Houston. I know. Yeah. I mean, if and if Tobias steps up, I mean, that's just another guy that you have depth. I mean, Keeler in his press conference yesterday talked about how I think every running back on the roster is slated to be back next year. I mean, Gentry, Herbacic, Crawford, uh, you got the freshman Coco Brown, you got another fresh or Jalen Washington, you got Weaver, Yates. I think they're all supposed to be back. And so experience for guys like this is going to be big. And I think the running back room next year could be a plus if we can just get healthy. Yeah. Yeah. That would be uh that's, and by the way, I like the name Coco too. I'm a, I'm a fan of that one. Yeah. That, that's a fun one too. His real name is Landon, but they, they have Landon Coco Brown on the roster. I know everyone calls him Coco. We've got yeah, some good know, names. His name is not Landon, man. Not, no. If you put, if your name is on the roster in quotes, that's your name. In my opinion, we've got, we've got Coco Pebbles, or Cocoa Puffs, and we've got uh, meatballs on the team. So, <laughs> Got to love it, man. I know. Got to love it. Uh, what other injury update? How we look? I know, like we said, wide receivers thin for multitude of reasons. How's everything else? Yeah, defense is looking really, really good. Uh, I think they're at full strength for the first time in a while. We saw a couple guys get banged up the last couple of weeks. But um, uh, blanking here, oh, Jordan Morris. Jordan Morris finally got back. Um, this last game and he was the guy that had the interception um, I know he went through warm-ups the last two games but um, couldn't couldn't go but he was finally back so that was a good sign so yeah outside of the skill positions I think they're pretty healthy I mean everyone's going to have their bumps and bruises but um, I think they're in a pretty good spot outside of the skill positions well that's good and before we head on into getting into the next part where we preview New Mexico State going to take one more opportunity to tell you about our presenting sponsor eternal roofing uh they're going to give you free detailed roof inspections fast professional service they're not giving you any of those high pressure sales pitches they have workmanship quality that is out of this world along with their warranties and the products they use are superior they they use certainty shingles known for their weather resistance and their ability to last a long time which by the way if you get a roof replaced you don't want to do that very often no, and they also not. look good. <laughs> yeah, no, no, you don't. And one last thing on them, they are also specialists in commercial roofing. If you they can accommodate work around your HVAC, any roof equipment you have, while ensuring minimal disruptions to your operations, give them a call or send them an email. Give you the email address here, Taylor T A Y L O R at eternal roofing tx.com. In the Montgomery office, 936-215-8539. And in the Hill Country, 830-251-5673. Ben, okay. There was a stat you gave me earlier before before we came on. We're in the we're in the leg now where you give me these the that stat about strength of schedule. 
Yeah, so strength of schedule, I was looking at, uh, there was a website that kind of had all 133 teams strength of schedule so far this year, and Sam Houston is 56th, so just a hair above kind of average in, in the middle of the pack, which is about where I thought they would be, and I think they had a strength index of one. I think the highest strength index was like a 10 or a 12 kind of thing. Um, looking at New Mexico State, who we're playing this week, um, they are ranked dead last at 133rd with a ranking of negative 16. Um, so they have played by far the weakest schedule in all of college football. Um, UMass, Western Illinois, New Mexico, Hawaii, FIU. I mean, these are all FCS teams or top or bottom five FBS team kind of teams. So uh, two very different schedules. Uh, New Mexico State's three and three, but the record doesn't show everything. Okay, so I'm going to say this. Sam Houston's schedule should look like New Mexico State's. And you gave a very valid reason as to why it probably doesn't this year. Right, yeah. So we, we made the move up officially in late November, early December of 2021, and this is the 2023 season. And so a lot of uh, FBS teams have their schedules mapped out um, all the way or at least partially for probably five to seven years. So finding a game... Um, just a little over a year out is really tough. Um, like, for example, BYU dropped their game with Tennessee, and so we really needed a game, picked up BYU. Um, we're looking for a team to come to Air Force. There were very few teams that had open dates that were willing to come, so you get, a, you get Air Force. Um, and, and so I think it's a product of just kind of where you were in the transition, unfortunately, um, but I think that's a big reason why the schedule was so tough, and it doesn't look like New Mexico State does, because if it did, I think we might be like, forward one something like that <laughs> yeah exactly and that's why i wanted you to mention that because but we tell you the schedule has been rough and we're not just joking but this is a new mexico state team they lost to umass i don't i don't think umass is a very good team they're one in four yeah yeah okay western illinois hey they beat them they they beat them handily they're a bad fcs team <laughs> yeah yeah that, yeah, then they went to Liberty. They lost by 13. No, they lost 15. by they lost by 16 at Liberty. Yep, and we lost by five. Well, yes, and was this a game where Liberty got up and took kind of the, you know, took the pedal off, so to speak, in the second half? Yeah, I don't think there were any points scored in the fourth quarter, if I believe. So it could have been a little worse. But, yeah, 16-point loss. We lost by five. Not a great way to gauge teams, but – Kind of the only frame of reference we have when comparing the two so far, at least. Exactly. So on transitive properties, Sam Houston wins this week. <laughs> then they <laughs> played at New Mexico. The they they went to the they went to uh, their rival. They won. I first off, I don't think either of those teams are that great. No. And I think you can throw that game out the window pretty much every year. Yeah, I, I totally. And it's a rivalry game too, so I feel like it's a toss up. Whoever wins, but yeah, New Mexico is probably 120th, 125th kind of FBS team. So not very good once again. And they lost to Hawaii. Yeah, Hawaii, definitely a team in a big transition. I think they've got a new head coach, Timmy Chang, I believe. Um, so they're going through a, a big transition there. Hawaii has not been good for a long time. Um, so yeah, I mean, you lose at Hawaii. Tough to travel there, but definitely a game that you should win. So you're telling me Timmy Chang is now a college coach, head coach? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, let me let me check. I think it's his first year. Oh man, I am yep, getting he's old. He's the head coach of Hawaii. Yep. I I am getting old, man. Yeah, this is 
Let's see. Yeah, first year as the head coach, he was most recently the wide receivers coach at Nevada for a couple of years. So yeah, first year head coach at uh, at Hawaii. Yeah. Also, he, you know, uh, let's go with what else he was. He was the uh, quarterback at Hawaii not long ago. I swear. <laughs> yeah, uh, two thousand to two thousand four. June so Jones. I don't want to date you too much. June Jones was the coach then. Uh, that he might have just missed June Jones, but he might have been there. Let me see. Hey, look, man, I'm telling you, I've watched a lot of Hawaii over. Yeah, the yeah, years. June Jones. It looks like. <laughs> I, I, you want to know a secret about me, Ben? My life has always revolved around three sports. It just does, and so yes, yeah. uh, I I have followed a lot of Hawaii football. Ninety nine to oh seven, June Jones was there. <laughs> so yeah, he was there for the whole June Jones tenure. I remember. To, the end of that because just because i was getting old enough to kind of remember things but yeah uh, he was there for that i appreciate that in there <laughs> sorry i <laughs> gotta throw at least one old person pun in at some point right <laughs> i was already way hell out of high school and would have been out of college if i'd have graduated at that point yeah anyway they, they played florida international last week i don't know I, I let me say this i'm looking at the pff numbers grades and New Mexico State against Hawaii and against Florida International, that was that was two of their better – Western Illinois doesn't count. That was their two best games. New Mexico State has been getting better, and it's been both sides of the ball that have improved the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I think they have. I mean, losing by – I mean, you beat New Mexico – it was a really rough start. I mean, losing to UMass and then losing to Liberty by almost 20. But the two of the past three weeks, you've beaten FBS opponents – so, I mean, you've been getting better from a results standpoint. Um, but, yeah, it's I, honestly, Sam Houston is probably the second best team they've faced outside of Liberty, and I don't think that's a stretch to say. So um, it's going to make it really interesting. I, I would agree with that. I, I would definitely agree with that. So we're going to preview this, and we're going to break it down like we did last week because I liked how we did that. Uh, we're we're going to go with offense. We're going to start with New Mexico State's offense against Sam Houston's defense. Passing game, pass blocking versus pass rush. Who do you got? Yeah, I'm going to give the slight advantage to New Mexico State. Diego Pavia is an experienced guy with a pretty high completion percentage, I think up around 60%. So on the uh, on the throwing side, I'm going to give it to them. We saw Liberty kind of expose us at times in the secondary, both very similar quarterbacks, very similar offenses. So when it comes to pass offense versus our pass defense, I'll probably lean slightly to New Mexico State. Well, their pass blocking grades out at a 50.6, which is not real good uh, for New Mexico State. It's it's even lower than Sam Houston State. Their pass rush for Sam Houston State grades at a 60. They actually have an advantage there. The passing game overall, 64.7. I think that difference, like you're talking about, is the quarterback. So maybe you look at that. I, I'm going to give a very slight edge to New Mexico State in the passing game uh, this week. Yeah, I agree. I think we're on the same page. They're very slight edge, but I like how we played against Liberty in the second half. If we can continue that, I think we'll be okay. I also want to say that pass blocking was 93 against Liberty last week. You've got to do one of them well, and they've yep. been getting better at that the last couple of weeks. Been, I don't think Keegan's gotten really sacked at all the past two weeks, which is, I, I mean, I don't want to say he hasn't been sacked, but it's been a lot better. He's been the pass block's been really good on our end. He had two sacks last week, whatever. 
Yeah. yeah. What that, yeah. Two, two is normal. Two is two. Two is normal. Hey, look, the cats got two on Liberty also, right? Like you, yeah. you go in expecting about two sacks a game. All right. So we're gonna we looked at that. Let's go receivers versus DBs. Yeah, they they're really interesting at receiver. It's a plethora of guys, but um are you talking about their receivers against our DBs? Yes. Yeah, I, I'd probably give them another really slight advantage. Um, they've got a really interesting, I can't remember his name. I think it starts with a J, but, uh, he's got four catches this year. Three of them are for touchdowns and his average receiving or reception length is like almost 50 yards. Um, so they've got some big playability, which I think can expose us a little. Um, I don't think they're nearly as talented as Liberty at, at the wide receiver position, but I'll, I'll probably still give them a slight edge just because they kind of have that threat to kind of bust things open and go really deep. Okay. So you look at the overall numbers of the season on here. And Sam Houston holds an edge. The receivers for New Mexico State graded a 67.3. Sam Houston's coverage grades at 77. But let me go a little bit further in there. And this is quite interesting when you start breaking them down by game. New Mexico State's receivers have done this. Bad, good, bad, good, bad, good. They're ready for a bad. Like these are patterns that have developed, right? They do, they happen this way for a reason. Expect their receivers to not be as good this week. Defensive backs for Sam Houston, BYU, good. Air Force, not as good. They were better the next week. They were good against Jacksonville State. They were bad last week. Not as bad as Air Force, but they were bad. I think you're going to see that kind of go back up a little more towards the average. I'm giving advantage on this one to uh, to the Cats, man. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna flip. I, I like how you frame that and everything you just put there. I was just kind of talking based on their kind of personnel, our personnel. But when you yeah. look at it that way, I like it. And I'm going to, I'm going to flip my vote. I'm going to go Sam Houston. See, it's, this is why I like having this conversation because you're giving a fan perspective, right? And, and I like to come in and try to see if the numbers go with what the perceptions are. And, and we can look at it that way. That's, that's one of these things. I, I always love that, that battle of sports talk right like yes. i think you've got to combine because what the fans view is real and it, it is exactly what it is but also the numbers sometimes can either support or go hey hold on a second you know right yeah and the numbers back i i, I like it i i think it's it's gonna be interesting if uh if they do keep going this way good bad good bad i think it's gonna set up really nicely for us and i hope it does <laughs> all right we're gonna look back at the line again run block versus run defense and just overall running game of New Mexico State versus that run defense. I, I like our run defense here. And I think a lot of what New Mexico State does on the ground comes from their quarterback. So when you're looking at run blocking versus our run defense, I'm going to give us the edge just because when they do run the ball effectively, a lot of the time it is with their quarterback and not because of their run block. Okay. We'll see if we flip votes. We'll see if we don't. Their run block is not very good 65.8 for the season but like you said their running game is based on their quarterback and the run game's an 85.7 sam houston's run defense for the season is at 76.1 that that could be looked to be pretty even now let's dive a little bit further in and let's look at when the run defense has been bad houston liberty those are the two worst games They've had as a run defense and those teams had quarterbacks kind of the offenses and kind of similar to Liberty and Houston, 
Uh, I'm gonna give a I'm gonna give a slight edge in the running game to uh, to New Mexico State this week. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see how you say that, but I also think the talent level talent level at New Mexico State isn't nearly that of Houston and uh, and Liberty. So I think based on that fact, I'll probably still still stay with Sam Houston just because the talent level is pretty significantly different when it comes to those couple teams. I, I yes, the only reason I give it is because they are a quarterback driven run game. Yeah, and they uh, are yeah they give that gives defense that gives defenses fits especially defenses that are good against the run because good defenses against the run are assignment football defenses right well assignment football you get a quarterback they don't you you can't always follow your assignment to when you've got a quarterback that can run like that yeah and i it was a huge problem for us for a quarter almost a half against liberty but i think we finally found a groove and uh just got to continue the momentum. I mean, you got to continue the keys that you picked up there at Liberty. We'll just con- we'll just consider Liberty the scout team for New Mexico State Week. How about that? Uh, you could put it that way, but in all reality, it's probably vice versa. <laughs> yeah, but hey, we, there's a chance to be New what Mexico you're State, right? <laughs> I know what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. All righty. Let's flip it around here. Let's look at the uh, Sam Houston offense against the New Mexico State defense. And we're going to start with uh, the passing, passing, pass blocking versus the pass rush. I'm going to give us the edge. I mean, like you said, our pass block grade and our pass blocking has just been fantastic these past couple of weeks. Um, and we've looked really good. I forget what you said the exact grade was, maybe a 93. But we've really thrown it well the past couple of weeks. The pass blocking has been excellent. So I'm probably going to give it to us. And this is a defense that, I mean, they've been exposed at times. I mean, 33 at Liberty, 41 to UMass. Um I mean, they've given up some big numbers here and there when they face decent quarterbacks. So I'll probably give that advantage to us. Okay. I'm going to say New Mexico State's not a bad pass rush team. They're actually pretty good, especially for Conference USA. Their their pass rush was 72.7 last week. It's been it's been in the 70s, upper 60s a lot of times. Sam Houston's pass rush has spent even last week it was 61. It spent more time in the 50s than it has in the 60s. And we consider Sam Houston a pretty decent defense. New Mexico State their pass rush is pretty good. The pass blocking has gotten a lot better. Uh, but it's also at times been inconsistent this year. You you look back and you've got these are the grades week one 45.2 week two 10.2 week three 69.8 week four 53.5 week six 93 that you know it's been a little up and down and i don't know that that we're at a point yet where i can say i definitely trust the offensive line yet I think it's trending up, though. I mean, 60-something and 90-something the last two weeks, and I think it was a 50-something before that. So I think it's trending up. It's been a little consistent, uh, inconsistent, especially the first two games. But I think it's trending up. And this is a really young offensive line, a lot of sophomores, a lot of juniors. Um, and so I think they're kind of finally figuring it out. And so I, I like where we are. I like where we are in the pass block. Still give the edge to Sam Houston. Uh, so after I, I do all that, I and agree. I give an edge – to say if you said, I just think that they'll be able to slow them down a little bit. Uh, they will, we're going to look at the uh, at the Cats receivers against the uh, secondary of New Mexico State. Yeah, I don't know a ton about their secondary, um, but I, I like our receivers. I, I'm not sure how it's going to grade out, but Noah Smith has really come on strong. And I think you've got two supporting guys that have finally figured it out behind Noah Smith and Malik Phillips and Alvante Woodard. And so it's a group that I think has finally started to figure it out. 
Um, and I feel confident in it. And if the pass block holds up, I like what they can do if you give them some time to get open. So I'll say us. All right. Uh, Sam Houston grades out receivers at 59 for the season. Uh, coverage for New Mexico State grades out at 65.1. Uh, we'll say you look at them game by game. Both teams have gotten better uh, as the season goes on in these groups. These, these groups have put up their best numbers each of the last two weeks. I'm going to give this one an even right there. Yeah, that, that's fine. I think based on the stats, you probably lean New Mexico State. I think if you look at momentum and, and what the team is building and what Alvante and Malik have been able to build these last couple of weeks, I think you go with Sam Houston. So I think a push is fine, but I just think based on momentum, I'll probably give it to us. Run game, run blocking versus <laughs> the run defense. Uh, this is the one I think we all know is not going our way. Run blocking has been probably our biggest weakness out of any facet on the entire team. And now you're down to your seventh running back. So I don't, I don't care what the grades are at this point. It's definitely New Mexico State. I'll give it to them at this point. <laughs> yeah, I will say the run blocking, it's not good. It has been inconsistent. It, it's been consistently not good all season. Yeah, uh, the running game might have been okay, but that's it. Well, it wasn't. Believe it or not, they were a 48.3 against Jacksonville State, a 49.7 last week. And their best game was a 53.8 grade against Houston. Yeah. Uh, and that they weren't running the ball that often. <laughs> that's why that's why that was the better, uh, you know. And then the run game, their run game grade overall against Jacksonville State actually graded at a 40. They graded at a 62 this week um, or last week against uh, Liberty. But I'm also going to say this is not a good New Mexico State defense. Uh, they don't stop the run particularly well. Their grade is a 60.3 on their run defense. And I'll give you something else here. Sam Houston can't block on the running game, and New Mexico State can't flip and tackle. <laughs> I, I'll take it. I'll take it at this point. And <laughs> New Mexico State's tackling grade for the year is a 46.6. In comparison, Sam Houston is 80.4. Oh, goodness. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe we can find something. Maybe this is the team where we can find something. So, I, And we need to. And I think the way you kind of supplement the run game is a lot of sweeps, a lot of tosses, um, working a lot of motions. So, okay. um, not going to be able to run it up the middle. Let me Let me throw this at you. You're gonna have you're not gonna run it up the middle. You're right there. Yeah. But you're down to your sixth, seventh, eighth running backs. You're you've got defensive backs running backs. You're gonna have wide receivers at running backs, most likely. What what I'm saying is you've got athletes, right? These are guys that have those good quick twitch muscles that you're looking for. They're the guys you try to get into space. That's why up the middle is not gonna work real well. You might see. Instead of a running game with so few, you might see a whole lot of wide receiver screen passes, especially against a team that doesn't tackle well. So if you get the ball outside on some sweeps or on some tosses and break a tackle, get it out to your wide receivers, break a tackle, I think that's how we're going to see them utilize the run game. And we've started to see that some of the past couple of weeks. That weeks there's been a lot of screen a lot of screens, especially to running backs. And that's kind of how you have to supplement your run game. And I think we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. If you can't hit it off up the middle, you've got to find a way to supplement it through screens and tosses and pitches and stuff like that. So uh, I, I love it. I mean, 
that's kind of the way you're going to have to run the ball because running it up the middle with your seventh running back, while it might work, odds are it probably will not most and, of the time. <laughs> and let's just break it down. The point of the running game isn't to be able to just pound them up the middle. It's to bring the safeties forward. You need the safeties to come up to be looking for that stuff short so then you can play action them down the field. Will you crazy i know you can do the same with the screen game you can even fake screen and run a fly pad there's a lot of things that can be done a lot of creativity can be done on offense and uh i think that that's the point of that screen game bringing those safeties up bringing getting their eyes looking for the short stuff instead and then hit them over the top with the deep stuff all along what they did with Jacksonville State when they found the tight end down the seam, that was set up because of what they were able to do to the outside. You don't even have to fake a pass out there. Turn and look out there, get them all moving, and then come back to the left and you got a guy wide open. Yeah, and, and I think this offense is already a pretty creative one with how much motion there is in, in that regards, but I think you're going to have to get even more creative with the lack of weapons and the lack of running backs going to have to find a way to supplement the run game so you can open it up in the pass game. We've had some success in the passing game the last couple of weeks, but if they can zone in so much on the passing game that and don't have to worry about the run game, uh, I worry about what the passing game looks like then. So, yeah, you got to figure it out somehow. Yeah, you do. So now we get to the time where we make our predictions. New Mexico State is a three-and-a-half-point favorite by what I saw on ESPN earlier today. Yep. And the over-under is at 41 and a half. So we're going to say Vegas is saying 22 or 23 to 19 or 20, basically there. Somewhere somewhere roughly in that area, area of, of a score range. Uh, ben, what say you? Yeah, I think I've only picked us to win one time. Or no, maybe twice this year, and I'm 0-2. But third time's the charm. I picked us to win against Houston and then Jacksonville State. But like I said, third time's the charm. I'm going to go 23-20, Sam Houston going just over the over-under, covering the spread. And I think this is the week we finally knock the door down and break through and get that win. Um, I think it all comes together. It's going to be really close again, but I think we find a way to get it done. Okay. I like that. You've got the Cats winning. You've got a 23-20 to game. Yeah, I can see that. I could see that happening could see it not happening because cats have had a hard time closing games that's really what we're coming down to but the hard time closing games have been against really good teams the cats look good teams win great teams cover the cats have covered a lot this year i've picked the cats to cover a lot this year in fact jay arnold if you're listening from your aggie war pod that you do with craven i just want to let you know that when you put out liberty was the was the play at plus 21 last Thursday. I gave a little chuckle because I knew you just gave away a lot of free money, my friend. Yeah, and I think we're four and one against the spread this year, if I remember correctly. Yeah, which tells you that they're playing better than projected by Vegas, and Vegas is pretty good at their job. So the Cats have not played bad. I don't think it's close, man. I really don't. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with a 31-17. I'm going 31-17 cats. Uh, I'm, you know, we're going over and we're going to blow out that minus three and a half. I just, you look at it, you look at, at how they've played, how New Mexico State has played. 
31 to 17 just looks like the score the way it's going to be. I, I'm a hey, sign me up for it. I don't care how it looks. I don't care if it's two nothing. I don't care if it's 198. I don't care if it's two. I don't, I really don't care. Uh, just sign me up for a win. You sound confident. I love it. And uh, I think this is the week we finally break through. This is the most confident I've been for a win this year. I, you know, I picked a win against Jacksonville state with some hesitation. There's no hesitation with this. This is the first team that Sam Houston has played that you can say we are better than. And, and by the way, it's a team that made a bowl game last year. So it's not like this is a bad team. It's just one of the, it, it feels like it's time. It It's like Sam Houston has been right there. You look how they played against Jacksonville state. You look how they played against Liberty. They are together. They are angry. They are hungry. I think New Mexico State's in trouble, especially coming off a win last week. They're probably feeling good about themselves. They got a win over FIU. I wasn't impressed. I saw some. I wasn't impressed. Yeah, FIU's not good. I mean, if they didn't win 34-17, there would, probably would have been a problem for New Mexico State. So, um, yeah, I mean, they, they've had probably the biggest cupcake schedule in all of college football. We've had one of the one of the tougher ones, and Hopefully things start to even out here, but I really like us getting the win. I do too, and we'll see it on Wednesday night, 8 p.m. CBS Sports Network. We will tune in there. Ben, I want to say thank you again for for this. This is uh, so much fun to talk cats with you, and we also want to say thank you to everyone who's watching and listening. Without you, we're not able to do this. Until next time, Ben, take us out with a win. Eat them up, cats, and this is the week. Oh, good Lord, let it be.